Welcome back, friends. Today we are going to be learning about Good Friday. And like yesterday, we're going to be going a little deep into the verses and the notes, but it's just, it's also we can get a nice solid foundation as to what happened on Good Friday. So let's get right into it. Good Friday begins with the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. If you remember yesterday on Maundy Thursday, Jesus said in Mark 14, 42, up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And in Matthew 26, verses 47 through 56, it says, And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus, Greeting, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day, but this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Now the note for Luke Chapter 22, verse 53 says the religious leaders had not arrested Jesus in the temple for fear of a riot. Instead, they came secretly at night under the influence of the power of darkness, Satan himself. Although it looked as if Satan was getting the upper hand, everything was proceeding according to God's plan. It was time for Jesus to die. And in our Bible, there is an insert titled Jesus's Trial. In it, it says Jesus's trial was actually a series of hearings, carefully controlled to accomplish the death of Jesus. The verdict was predetermined, but certain legal procedures were necessary. A lot of effort went into condemning and crucifying an innocent man. Jesus went through an unfair trial in our place so that we would not have to face a fair trial and receive the well-deserved punishment for our sins. The next section is titled... Annas and Caiaphas question Jesus, and in John eighteen nineteen, it says, Inside the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. The note for that says, During the night, Jesus had a pre-trial hearing before Annas, before being taken to Caiaphas and the entire high council. The religious leaders knew they had no grounds for charging Jesus, so they tried to build evidence against him by using false witnesses. In Mark 14, verses 53 through 65, it says, They took Jesus to the high priest's home, where the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of religious law had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and went right into the high priest's courtyard. There he sat with the guards, warming himself by the fire. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they couldn't find any. 
Many false witnesses spoke against him, but they contradicted each other. Finally, some men stood up and gave this false testimony. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another made without human hands. But even then they didn't get their story straight. Then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and made no reply. Then the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. Then some of them began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him and beat him with their fists. Prophecy to us, they jeered, and the guards slapped him as they took him away. And then we have a few notes. The note for Matthew twenty-six fifty-seven says, Because of their haste to complete the trial and see Jesus die before the Sabbath, less than 24 hours away, the religious leaders met in Caiaphas's home at night instead of waiting for daylight and meeting in the temple. The note for Matthew 26:59 says the high council was the most powerful religious and political body of the Jewish people. Although the Romans controlled Israel's government, they gave the people power to handle religious disputes and some civil disputes. So the high council made many of the local decisions affecting daily life. But a death sentence had to be approved by the Romans. And then the last note regarding um, chapter 26, verses 65 and 66 says, The high priest accused Jesus of blasphemy, calling himself God. To the Jews, this was a great crime punishable by death. The religious leaders refused even to consider that Jesus' words might be true. They had decided to kill Jesus, and in so doing, they sealed their own fate as well as his. Like the members of the high council, you must decide whether Jesus' words are blasphemy or truth. Your decision has eternal implications. Moving on to Peter denies knowing Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, verse 54b through 62, it states, And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus's followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. We move to the council of religious leaders condemns Jesus. Mark 15.1 says, Very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of religious law, the entire high council, met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Luke twenty-two sixty-six through 71 tells us, At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. Jesus was led before this high council, and they said, Tell us, are you the Messiah? But he replied, If I tell you, you won't believe me. 
And if I ask you a question, you won't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. They all shouted, So are you claiming to be the Son of God? And he replied, You say that I am. Why do we need other witnesses, they said. We ourselves heard him say it. The note for Matthew chapter 27 verses 1 and 2 says the Jewish leaders had arrested Jesus on theological grounds, blasphemy. Because this charge would be thrown out of a Roman court, however, they had to come up with a political reason for Jesus' death. Their strategy was to show Jesus as a rebel who claimed to be a king and thus a threat to Caesar. Pilate was the Roman governor for the regions of Samaria and Judea from AD 26 to 36. Pilate was not popular, but the religious leaders had no other way to get rid of Jesus than to go to him. Ironically, when Jesus, a Jew, came before him for trial, Pilate found him innocent. He could not find a single fault in Jesus, nor could he contrive one. And finally, the note for Mark 15.1 says, Why did the Jewish leaders send Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor? The Romans had taken away the Jews' right to inflict capital punishment, so in order for Jesus to be condemned to death, he had to be sentenced by a Roman leader. The Jewish leaders wanted Jesus executed on a cross, a method of death that they believed brought a curse from God. They hoped to persuade the people that Jesus was cursed, not blessed by God. Now we find out what happened with Judas. In Matthew 27 verses 3 through 10, it says, When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care, they retorted, that's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading priests picked up the coins. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said, since it was payment for murder. After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field, and they made it into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called the Field of Blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. Now Jesus stands before Pilate. In John 18, verses 28 through 37, it says Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, What is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked him. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world, Pilate said. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, So you are a king. Jesus responded, You say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. 
The note for that section says Pilate knew what was going on. He knew that the religious leaders hated Jesus and he did not want to act as their executioner. They could not sentence him to death themselves. Permission had to come from a Roman leader, but Pilate initially refused to sentence Jesus without sufficient evidence. Jesus's life became a pawn in a political power struggle. Now, Jesus also stood trial before Herod, the ruler of Galilee and Perea. Herod had heard about Jesus and was looking forward to seeing him perform a miracle. And in Luke 23, verses 11 and 12, it says, Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. Now, before we go into the next section, I wanted to read a note from John 19.1. It says, To grasp the full picture of Jesus' crucifixion, read the accounts from all four gospel writers together. Each writer adds meaningful details, but each has the same message. Jesus died on the cross in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy so that we could be saved from our sins and be given eternal life. Now, John 18:38 through 19:16 says, What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, He is not guilty of any crime, but you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, No, not this man. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, You have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled, away with him, crucify him. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. One of the notes for that section says the truth finally came out. The religious leaders had not brought Jesus to Pilate because he was causing rebellion against Rome, but because they thought he had broken their religious laws. Blasphemy, one of the most serious crimes in Jewish law, deserved the death penalty. Accusing Jesus of blasphemy would give credibility to their case in the eyes of the Jews. Accusing Jesus of treason would give credibility to their case in the eyes of the Romans. They didn't care which accusation Pilate listened to as long as he would cooperate with them in killing Jesus. 
Now the Roman soldiers mocked Jesus. And in Matthew 27, verses 27 through 31, it says, Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. And they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. So now Jesus is led away to be crucified. And the note from Matthew twenty-seven thirty-two says, Condemned prisoners had to carry their own crosses to the execution site. Jesus, weakened from the beatings he had received, was physically unable to carry his cross any farther. Thus, a bystander, Simon, was forced to do so. Now we learn about when Jesus was placed on the cross. Like it mentioned earlier, please read all four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because each really does provide a unique perspective, but it remains true to the others. They all work cohesively. So here's what we know. They went to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus a wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. After being nailed to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his left and one on his right. Jesus was mocked while on the cross. It was nine in the morning when Jesus was crucified, and we learn that in Luke fifteen twenty-five. Now in Luke twenty-three thirty-four and 39, 43, It says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. And the note for that section says, Jesus asked God to forgive the people who were putting him to death, Jewish leaders, Roman politicians and soldiers, bystanders. And God answered that prayer by opening up the way of salvation, even to Jesus's murders. Jesus was suffering the most horrible, painful death ever devised by sinful man. And he looked at the people responsible for his suffering and prayed for their forgiveness. The Roman officer and soldiers who witnessed the crucifixion said, This man truly was the Son of God. Soon many priests were converted to the Christian faith. Because we are all sinners, we all played a part in putting Jesus to death. The good news is that God is gracious. He will forgive us and give us new life through his Son. Another note for that section says, As this man was about to die, he turned to Christ for forgiveness, and Christ accepted him. This shows that our deeds don't save us. Our faith in Christ does. It's never too late to turn to God. Even in his misery, Jesus had mercy on this criminal who decided to believe in him. Our lives will be much more useful and fulfilling if we turn to God early, but even those who repent at the very last moment will be with God in paradise. The note for John 19, 25-27 says, Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. 
When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. And the note for that section says, Even while dying on the cross, Jesus was concerned about his family. He instructed John to care for Mary, Jesus' mother. Our families are precious gifts from God, and we should value and care for them under all circumstances. Neither Christian work nor key responsibilities in any job or position excuse us from caring for our families. Now we move on to Jesus dies on the cross. And here's what we know. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 p.m. At 3 p.m., Jesus called with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Many thought Jesus was calling for the prophet Elijah, and one of the bystanders filled a sponge with sour wine so Jesus could drink. The soldiers watching over the prisoners broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus, but because Jesus was already dead, they did not break his legs. One of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. The note for Matthew 27:45 says, We do not know how this darkness occurred but it is clear that God caused it. Nature testified to the gravity of Jesus' death while Jesus' friends and enemies alike fell silent in the encircling gloom. The darkness on that Friday afternoon was both physical and spiritual. The note for Matthew twenty-seven forty-seven says the bystanders misinterpreted Jesus' words and thought he was calling for Elijah because Elijah had ascended into heaven without dying. They thought he would return again to rescue them from great trouble. At their annual Passover meal, each family set an extra place for Elijah in expectation of his return. Now, regarding when Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? In Mark 15, 34, the note says Jesus did not ask this question in surprise or despair. He was quoting the first line of Psalm 22. The whole psalm is a prophecy expressing the deep agony of the Messiah's death for the world's sin. Jesus knew that he would be temporarily separated from God the moment he took upon himself the sins of the world. This separation was what he had dreaded as he prayed in Gethsemane. The physical agony was horrible, but the spiritual alienation from God was the ultimate torture. Matthew 27 verses 50 through 53 says, Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and the tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The final days of Jesus authors. Now, we've been talking about that book a little bit over the past week. Um, In their book, they said, regarding the curtain of the temple tearing in two from top to bottom, This curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place. The supernatural tearing of this massive curtain indicates that God's people will now have direct access to his presence through Jesus. And Jesus' once-for-all sacrificial death has made animal sacrifices in the temple obsolete. Luke 23.46 says, Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words he breathed his last. And then as a parallel verse is John nineteen twenty eight through 30. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. 
A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. The note for John 19.31 says it was against God's law to leave the body of a dead person exposed overnight, and it was also against the law to work after sundown on Friday when the Sabbath began. This is why the religious leaders urgently wanted to get Jesus' body off the cross and buried by sundown. The note for John 19.34 and 35 says the graphic details of Jesus' death are especially important in John's record because he was an eyewitness. And the last note for... John 19:36 and 37 says Jesus died as the lambs for the Passover meal were being slain. Not a bone was to be broken in these sacrificial lambs. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. And then finally, Jesus is laid in the tomb. And here's what we know. A rich man and follower of Jesus named Joseph asked Pilate to release Jesus's body to him. He wrapped the body in a long sheet of clean linen cloth and placed it in his own tomb, which had been carved out of rock. John 19.39-40 tells us, With him, meaning Joseph, came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. Joseph then rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sat across from the tomb and watched. And in Luke 23:56, it tells us both women went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun. So they rested as required by the law. And finally, the note from Mark 15:46 says Joseph wrapped Jesus's body placed it in the tomb, and rolled a heavy stone across the entrance. The religious leaders also watched where Jesus was buried. They stationed guards by the tomb and sealed the stone to make sure that no one would steal Jesus' body and claim he had risen from the dead. And there we have it, the, the story of Good Friday. Tomorrow we will, there's not much to talk about for Holy Saturday, but uh, we will talk about it. Thank you. For joining me, have a blessed day and I will catch you next time.